Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky and this week I am joined with Jonathan Lee. Hello everyone. He's back everybody. Alright, we got Brett Freeman. Hi guys. And a very special guest, Paul Heaver. Hello everyone. Three-time world champion, is it? Uh, yes, that is the correct. That, yeah. is, that is amazing. 2013, 14, and 15, so... Three years in a row? Yeah, yeah, I mean, four years ago at this point, so... It's still, it's such an accomplishment. It's a very strong honor to have you on the show. I mean, um, you're like one of the first big names that everyone learns in X-Wing, so it's pretty crazy. I told my wife you were going to be on the show, and she was excited without me having to explain who you were. Like, (laughs) that's kind of a big deal. I've had people um, come up to me and be like, you know, they're like magic players or something. and be like, oh, you're Paul Heaver. You're the the X-Wing guy, right? And I'll be like, "How, how do you know me? (laughs) <laughs> no my seven-year-old knows your name so <laughs> it's pretty crazy but yeah like i said that you're one of like one of the first big names that everyone kind of learns um but the reason we have paul on the show today is he is the head judge at the nova open this year for the x-wing grand championship right yep that's right the marshal <laughs> are we calling it the marshal uh, I I don't know if it's called the marshal the head judge but the marshal is a cooler name so it's, i'm gonna go with that do you have a do you still have a cool badge uh, Chris Allen gave me a cool badge last year, and I don't know if I still have it. I probably do in the basement somewhere. God, I hope you I hope you're wearing it uh, this come Nova. All right, so if you don't know what the Nova Open is, it is a huge convention down in um, is it Arlington or Crystal City, Virginia, basically, and it is the first of three X Wing Grand Championships. There's a bunch of other X-Wing side events from Republic uh, vs. Separatist, uh, Rebels vs. Imps, FO vs. Resistance. Um, There's Hunger Games, stuff like that. But the main event is obviously the X-Wing Grand Championship. So we're going to talk mostly about that. And it's really cool because we have a bunch of people that come from all over the East Coast that go to this event. Um, Paul, this is your second year hosting or judging the event, correct? Yep. Yeah, I... uh... I won it two years ago, and then last year I judged it, and this year I'm judging it again. Nice. So you retired your spurs from it? Yeah. I, I won it already. I don't need to win it again. Cool. Um, <laughs> all right, so some cool things that are about the Grand Championship are, you know, it's the top four are granted world invites. Now, do we know or they don't trickle down to other people that have invites already, right? I think you actually have to I, place top four to get that. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. There's probably going to be a couple top eight, so if it would be unfair if, I don't know. But, now, an interesting thing, I think, for the world invites, now don't quote me on this because I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure they said that if you win a world's invite within two months of worlds, you can apply it to the next worlds. So even if, like, you can either spend it at this worlds or the next worlds? Yeah, because, I mean, this is right. going to be six weeks before worlds, so you might not be able to, like, get time off of work and everything. So I'm pretty sure... Now, again, don't quote me on it because I might be 100% wrong. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that if you get a world's invite before, like within the two month window before worlds, then you can use it on the next worlds. You heard it here first. Quote Paul Heaver on it when you. Please uh... <laughs> <laughs> don't quote Paul Heaver on it. Okay. Yeah. That's definitely that's something really cool. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, you'll find out if you win it and you don't need it. I don't know. I've definitely heard that before. I think Matt Holland has posted about it in like the Fly Better group. Um, that certainly the two month thing. Um, I think he may have also said though that if you don't have a 2019 Worlds invite and you 
want to apply it to 2020 and still go to 2019 and just do the last chance qualifier that they wouldn't let you. Um, but it definitely will carry over to next year. For instance, you already have one. Um, so one of the other cool things about the Nova Open uh, Grand Championship is that we're one of the first, uh, we had it at Gen Con, but we're getting faction-specific prizes. So the top two of each faction are getting range rulers, top four of each faction are getting damage deck, and the top 16 of each faction get pilot cards specific to that faction. So this is really cool because, you know, before they would do prize tickets to prevent people from dropping. Because a lot of times what happens is people will just O2 drop because they are out of the running of trying to make cut or anything like that. Where now you can keep playing and try to really get like some prize support, which is pretty cool. Yeah, especially if you're um, an unpopular faction. Like if you show up playing, I don't know, Republic, then yeah, you probably have to do pretty decently to get like the, the damage deck, for example. But if you show up playing First Order, which is a lot less popular, then you can probably three and three and still get something decent. So there's a good reason to keep playing if you're not playing one of the the popular powerful factions, which I do like, especially if uh, you know you're uh, you're like a First Order player at heart or something like that. But you're like, oh, but I mean they're actually pretty good. But say you think they're not good, and uh, Go like, well, should I play what I think will win or what I really like to play? It gives you a little bit more reason to play what you like to play. Definitely. I'm specifically bringing Scum to, uh, to Nova just so I can try to get some of these prizes. I mean, like, I've always been a Scum player at heart. So, like, this just, like, really kind of put me over the edge that, like, it's like, okay, I have to play Scum now just to try to get, like, some of these top prizes. Sure, sure. The um, That Torkoal list, that Torkoal Seavor and, and three Kiraxes was pretty good. And uh, that there's a good Ketsu list that wanders around too that I've seen. Yeah, I've been messing around with them. I'm right now. I'm. I don't want to spoil too much, but I think my list is going to involve Dengar. Um, so hopefully, okay. yeah, it's 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 interesting. I mean, I've been doing okay with it. So, but it's something that I, I've really kind of like been practicing with. Um, but yeah, it, it's like I said, I am enjoying it because. I have always been a scum player. And, like, when I first, like, was thinking about Nova, like, I was kind of leaning towards playing, like, a Palp Aces list. And I'm not really that great with Imperials, but, like, when when I heard this, it was just kind of, like, awesome. Now I will play my faction and, like, you know, really try. And, you know, I might not make the top prize cuts, um, but I I can at least shoot for, like, I mean, like, I'm not going to O2 drop. I'm going to actually try to, like, win some of these faction-specific prizes. Um, and be prepared to see Dengar at Nova on day two. Cool. Let's move on, though. So, Paul, you said for the Nova Open, we are going to be following the Australian uh, System Open supplemental rules or uh, rulings um, that we will link into our show notes when we post it. And you can follow them there. You can see all the rulings that aren't in the rules reference guide or anything like that. So we have a couple notable rulings that we want to talk about first. Uh, the first thing being Covenel with R4 Astromech that does not give the extra dice on the red turns. I know a lot of people have been arguing that, that now it's always referencing the uh, red maneuver, but I I think everyone's kind of one of the understanding now that R4 just kind of permanently changes it. Yeah, that is uh, the current ruling uh, until FFG. Like, obviously, if FFG comes out with something like immediately before the event and says, no, this is the official update to the rules and it does work, then obviously we take what FFG says. But 
according to the like judge Illuminati and everybody that's out there, um, this is the the ruling that kind of stands on all the other premiere events. So um, a little bit of background, I guess the the Australian System Open To and I were talking a bunch before the before the events because his event happens at the same time as Nova Open. Um, actually, in case you're interested, the Dion from uh, Gold Squadron podcast is going to be in Australia and Will Hagwood also from the same podcast will be at Nova and they'll both be streaming uh, the events and because it's in Australia and in Virginia they're you know 12 hours apart so he can just stream for like 20 hours a day which will be ridiculous but anyway that was a bit of a side <laughs> tangent there uh, the uh, so we we talked and we were like yeah we'll we'll just use one standard document because it it makes more sense for people, especially at the high levels of play, to be used to uh, a single uh, universal document or universal rulings because you don't, you, you really don't want to go to different events and be like, oh well, how are they ruling this in Canada? Oh, how are they ruling this in Europe? And like, then it also it makes the streams and everything else and other data that you would get a little less in- valuable because you'd be like, oh well, at this one they were ruling you could use Kova and R4. So like, that's why a lot of the, the ships and, and everything did better here. And like, it just, you want everything to be consistent. Uniform, yeah. Yeah. The other thing that was so going with Kova that if you have Leia, you can actually, because Leia only treats that maneuver when she activates as being red. So you still reference the red turn as the maneuver that you revealed. Yeah, she's like a triggered thing as opposed to a, um, a like a permanent change. Right. You know, the weirdly enough, the biggest thing that I've had the most pushback on uh, for this document is the whole if you're flying the resistance transport, you have to have a pod attached to it. You I, can't fly it in uh, in seahorse formation. I was going <laughs> to ask about that. Like, I mean, like, how do you personally feel about that rule? Like. I mean, I don't know if I agree with it. Like, I, I understand it, but I, I think it's kind of a silly... Like, I mean, like, you don't have to fly Lando's Falcon with the thing attached. Yeah, that's true. That's apparently something that FFG said at some point to... Uh, I, I don't even remember who it was. And I'm I'm not even sure if they really care about it or if it was just like an offhand kind of thing that someone took as a, oh, this is word from on high. So, I mean, personally... If someone showed up and didn't have the thing, I, I'm planning on bringing mine so I can loan it out to somebody that doesn't hear this and is flying it in, in seahorse formation. Uh, so I'm hoping that it doesn't come up that someone doesn't have it. Because obviously I don't want people to have to buy uh, like two of those stupid things just to fly Kova right. and Finn. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Always Kova and Finn. Right, right. Um, so, but yeah, so let's go into Finn then. Uh, so Finn, he removes a strain token after defending, even if he just added it in that attack. So with Finn's ability, you can add the strain to add the extra dice result or the blank result or the uh, focus result. I believe that's what it is, right? You you spend the, you, you get the strain to add the eyeball. The, you yes. don't have to get a strain to add a blank. Right. So you add the eyeball with it. But then as soon as you're done defending, you remove that strain just with the way the rules reference is written right now with strain tokens that it makes sense. Like that's rules as written. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's the way it is. Uh, basically on defense, it's free on offense. It will cost you a strain that will possibly come up. Yeah. I'd be curious to see if they actually change that in the future. Um, 
it seems a little strong or if they would just kind of like maybe points Finn a little bit more. I'm, I'm not sure because it's a strong, it's a very strong ability, I think. All right, let's, uh, let's go on to Sense. So when using Sense, you must first decide whether you will spend the Force Charge or not. If you choose to spend the Force, you may choose a ship at range 0 to 3. If you choose not to spend the Force, you may choose a ship at range 0 to 1. Uh, and because you're choo- choosing range 0 to 1, you are always at range 0 of yourself. Uh, so that's a really important thing. Something that we're going to talk about a little bit later is that, you know, you're spending a force charge to trigger uh, these abilities. Um, yeah, before you pick up any ruler of any sort with sense, you have to decide, are you spending the, the force point or not? If you pick up a ruler and start measuring things and you haven't spent the force point, then you're stuck on zero to one. You can still measure to whatever you want. It, it I don't, no one's going to stop you from measuring things. You can measure with a zero to three ruler and be like, oh, that guy's at range three, but I didn't spend a thing. Okay. Like you, you could have gotten that information the previous round anyway. So it, it doesn't, that part doesn't matter. Um, Cause some people were, were saying like, Oh, well, can't I use this to get extra information? And realistically, no, because unless ships have somehow moved since you last shot the previous round, when you could have measured to everything anyway, which they don't between when you shoot and when you're, you're doing your system phase the next round. So you don't have to worry about gaining any extra information. Like, yeah, just choose whether or not you're going to spend your, your force point before you pick up a, a, a ruler. Otherwise, it's the zero to one range. They, we got some notable rulings out of the way. Like I said, we're going to list put the rules, um, the Australian system open rules in our show notes. So if you want to take a look deeper into them, there's some other rulings that we're not really going to touch base on. Some are a little self-explanatory. Yeah, but- most are either really weird corner cases or stuff that is hopefully self-explanatory but like things that people ask questions about right uh so we'll go on to our we had some of our listeners kind of ask us questions of what we wanted to ask paul so first thing that we wanted to ask paul is what tournament software are we going to be using for the nova open that's that's a lot of people's first (laughs) question uh because usually i guess of bad experiences they've had with other tournaments tournament software uh so we're using cryodex We've been using Crydex for years now. Uh, it's what our people are used to using. And also, when you're in the bowels of uh, the, what hotel is it? I don't even remember uh, what the hotel the is, but in the Hyatt in Crystal City, um, where they shove us in the basement in the corner, we have absolutely no cell reception. So if we can't use BCP or tabletop TO or any of that stuff, uh, and ov- also if you are dependent on using some kind of online tool um, like Launch Bay Next or something to keep track of points or do anything like that, uh, it will probably, unless it has an offline component, it will probably not work. I've never used any of these things, so I don't know which ones are online only and which ones work offline. All right, cool. That makes perfect sense. Like Tabletop to you, I think, is one of my favorite, but it, it... Oh, I like it a lot too, yeah. Right. It's, it's hard to use if um, there's no internet. For everyone will be like, can can I borrow your phone real quick? But yeah, no, it makes sense to use Cryodex, especially because if things go out, you don't need internet for Cryodex. So it makes perfect sense. Um, all right, concussion missiles. We had this, someone asked this, and I know we've been flip-flopping, and I was on the page that these always kind of triggered after damage was dealt until the plasma torpedo um, ruling came out, saying that the you lose the shield after the attack hits, after the neutralize results step. So what our question is then with concussion missiles and Rexler breath, 
does this these abilities do you flip the damage card after the attack hits so like if this is the first time that you're dealing damage cards out do they already have to have damage cards attached to the defending sh- ship or will the cards flip after the um result the resolve of the attack phase Sure. Um, well, first of all, Rexler and Concussion Missiles are worded differently, so they have different triggers. So, yeah, one of the things I do want to note with that is because another argument we've kind of got into was Rexler says after you perform an attack. So we kind of figured that might have meant any with any missile or any cannon that he's equipped with. Yeah, like so Rexler says after you perform an attack that hits. So his trigger is after you perform an attack and it has like a limiter that it the, the attack has to hit. So all those after you perform an attack things are in the well after you've done your damage and everything like that. So Rexler can definitely flip damage that he's dealt. Sure. Um, for the concussion missile, it says after this attack hits or whatever it, the, the exact phrase is. Right. Um, but it doesn't say after you perform the attack that hits or anything. It says after this attack hits, it's the same wording as the plasma torpedo. So it's the same thing that there already has to be some kind of damage on there for it to flip a card over. If the concussion missile is causing the damage, it doesn't doesn't flip its own cards. It has to flip a card that's been there beforehand. Okay, that makes 100% sense. Um, so if you're listening and you, these are in your list, I know concussion missiles have actually been popping up a lot in our meta, at least with the TIE SFs. People are bringing them just instead of the SF gunners, uh, which makes sense. But So if you are bringing the concussion missiles, to make sure you note that. Um, let's move on to spending charges with no available targets. So let's say you bring Vader crew, or let's say Quick Draw loses a shield. It says that you have to spend a charge, either Force Charge or his reoccurring charge on the ship. If you do not have an available target, let's say Vader does it and he has a ship at range 3, do you lose that Force Charge, or would Quick Draw lose possibly that um, attack charge if he doesn't have someone in arc? Sure. Well, uh, I know the answer for uh, quick draw off the top of my head. Um, for quick draw, if you spend the charge um, and there's no target for the attack, then you've spent the charge and you've basically you fail to do the attack. Um, because quick draw, there's actually two maze in quick draw. It's really weird. You can just ultimate disrespect somebody and be like, "I'm going to spend the charge, but not do the attack." Because it's like, if you do, you may perform the additional attack. But the, the extra attack, it can, it's not that it fails, it's that you choose not to do the attack. Okay. And you are allowed to choose not to do the attack. So for quick draw, if you like run over a rock and be like, I'm going to shoot Anakin, and Anakin's like outside of range six or outside of range three, and then he moves after you and moves into range three and shoots you, you've already spent your token. So uh, don't spend your charge if you run over a rock and and think he might be out of range. Makes sense. Uh, uh, for Vader, that's an interesting one. You may choose blah, 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 and spend one. Um, if you do, do that thing. Um, so at first, when you when you first asked this question, I thought you were asking the other part of Vader, which was um, basically if you do spend the, the force point, um, because Vader's covered in the unofficial X-Wing rule supplement. So if you do spend the force point, you have to choose a valid target ship. So it could be a so friendly ship, right? It could be a friendly ship, yeah. Um, that's an interesting question. If uh, So it says you may choose a ship in your firing arc at range 0 to 2 and spend a force charge. If you do, that ship suffers one. So that could 
so I actually had Ian Hamp rule this at PAX. Oh, um, good. What did he say? Because I'm just going to go so, with what he said. Yeah, so I was not flying Vader, so I was trying to get him to say this. They still spent the charge when no ship was at, uh, at, at range, and he said, no, they get to keep the charge if there are no available targets at all. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I could see that because the you have to choose the ship and spend the force point. So like once you start measuring, like you kind of go in order kind of, I guess. And once you start measuring, you go, oops, that failed. So then it kind of stops there. So yeah, I'll go with what Ian said. That's on that's on smart. There we go. All right. Now, yeah. regarding uh, just regarding quick draw, I just thought of something. So um, so I know how card text usually overrides like rule book text, correct? Mm-hmm. So this is a, sort of a weird question. So if quick draw lands on a rock and loses a shield during activation, but is still on the rock, does the card text you may perform a bonus primary attack overrule? not being able to shoot while on a rock no um the the card text would have to say like something about the obstacle i basically you can the card text overrides the rules if the card text is specific enough kind of to override the rules but i'm pretty sure that quick draw would not override being on a rock okay man i hope i don't get questions like this when i'm judging (laughs) (laughs) so it just came to mind right now now. Yeah. yeah yeah All right, so uh, next let's talk uh, note-taking. Someone asked us that, can you and your opponent keep track of points and your opponent's, uh, opponent's points on a piece of paper visible to both players? Or let's say you have launch bay next on your phone and you want to kind of track your opponent's points and make your own points available. Is this okay to do? Because I know in the rules it says no note-taking or anything like that, but it also says that you can reference FFG material uh, in regards to the game. Not only is it okay to do, I suggest strongly that people do it. Um, I, I, that reminds me, I want to bring a, like a packet of note cards and just give it to everyone and tell everyone, write the, the name of your ship, the full points value of the ship, and the half points value of the ship. Remember, half points round up. And uh, that way, and just if you and your opponent both have it, you just put it out there like in the middle of the board, not, not on the board, obviously, like to the side. Um, and that way both players can just refer to it instead of being like, cause you know how it is when you're like 10 minutes left in the round, a bunch of stuff is dead and a bunch of stuff is at half points and you're like, am I winning? Am I not winning? What's going on here? Right. And, and then like, sometimes the game slows down a bit when you're like, Hey, let's, let's figure it out who's winning. And it just would be easier if everyone from the beginning had all this and, as a, a follow-up, um, when you finish the round, typically you, in most games, the you're, you would figure out how many points your opponent destroyed by counting up your stuff, and he would figure out how many points you destroyed, and then you'd both be like, "Hey, you killed 114 points. Oh, you killed 120 points. Oh, cool, I won." Uh, I strongly suggest both players figure out both points totals, especially if it's a close game. Because it's pretty easy if you're just kind of doing the math in your head or something to forget to carry a one. And then like a five-point win becomes a five-point loss. Which, And also, just in general, MOV is kind of important for making the cut or getting getting faction prizes. So I, I strongly suggest both players figure out both point totals, not just take your opponent's word for it. And And I'm also, yeah, planning on, if I remember to bring a bunch of note cards with me so that people can write down all their stuff and have that 
I don't, that's not note taking. Note taking is for um, like, hey, I have a note that has like a little picture of how I'm supposed to set up, you know, my guys so that they don't bump after I do this intricate series of moves. Or I want to take uh, notes of how my opponent's set up so that I can, you know, in case I see him in the cut, I know what I have to do to counter it or something like that. Like, you can't do that. But, uh, but having the points, yeah, points are great. Okay, so quick question. I am part of my Dengar list that I might be bringing. I have Greedo attached to him. If I write Greedo shot first on my hands, is that considered note-taking? I'm not going to stop you if you write Greedo <laughs> shot first. <no>. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to check that one. Um, people, have, people have written FCS on their hands and, and D-Cloak and things like that on their hands all the time. and Yeah, that's fine. It's one of those small triggers that I'm just like, how could I forget Greedo? All right. Um, so let's go on to, I know you're very passionate about this subject, but stalling and fortressing. Yes. Um, one of the things that I know that you don't want to be the guy that has two shuttles bumping each other for 10, 12 rounds, basically waiting for your opponent to approach you. Yes, that's, um, that's bad. Don't do that. Don't do that. Paul's been very adamant to make sure people know you shouldn't be doing that. Um, but a common tactic for shuttles and less maneuverable ships is that they will self-bump self themselves and they will perform stops in the first couple rounds to try to really kind of see where the opponent is going, how fast they're going, if they're going slow, if they're going to be trying to circle around the map or anything like that. My question is then, is like this going to be discouraged with the new floor rules? Like For example, if you have a shuttle that stops turn or i'm sorry it's self bumps in the first turn then turn two it stops and then turn three it actually finally completes a maneuver is this something that's going to be discouraged or is this a tactic that could be played um in in the tournament no that's fine uh delaying an engagement like that is is perfectly okay um it's it's really only if it's you're delaying it basically for infinity amount of time if if you delay it for or not, not even infinity, but until your opponent, you know, hits some trigger, like getting close to you, type of thing. If you just delay it for a turn or two, because and your other ships are doing something, like say your, you know, your your shuttle bumps into Sintir and then Sintir goes flying off, and then your shuttle does a zero while Sintir is, you know, getting ready for the flank, and I don't know, Whispers doing something else. Um, then yeah, that's fine. And then you kind of come in like some three pronged cool attack formation. Yeah, that's that's great. That is that is perfectly acceptable. Okay, yeah, because I, I mean, like the one game I was watching uh, at Gen Con, it was kind of like one person was just bumping two shuttles, and another person was basically rotating their ship. So one person was making a wide wing stop the entire time, and it, it just it seemed like a negative play experience on both ends. That you know, one person's finally going to have to break out. So, but yeah, I, mean, it... I, I wanted to make sure only vice versa that like you could. Still do things like, I mean, self-bumping is a, f a huge part of the game sometimes. Sometimes you need to make that little small gap of being able to take a shot as opposed to bumping into the opponent's ship. Um, but I, I wanted to check with this. Yeah, no, that's that's perfectly all right. Um, it's really more about, like, your whole list. Are you Are you trying to avoid engagement entirely because you're abusing the time mechanics? Uh, because... Usually you see it because they have a uh, final salvo bonus. Like I have, I don't know, uh, in that particular case, he's like, oh, I have 11 final salvo dice to your eight, so I'm going to win that 
80% of the time. So I'm just going to sit back because you're obviously not going to take a 20% win chance. So you'll have to come in. Yeah, that's and then you just don't leave your your corner. Then, yeah, that's that's we have to put the kibosh on that. That's no not good. All right. Next, let's uh, state of play. So all too often we see someone on stream or something along the lines happens where someone forgets a trigger. Someone forgets the harpoon calls off and someone calls someone on uh, live stream and wants to notify the no one's going to forget that (laughs) (laughs) but let's say for instance something happens like your opponent forgets to regen one of their force charges you see that ship has no force charges so you decide to take a shot on that ship you roll your attack dice you modify your attack dice the defender rolls his attack dice and then says oh i forgot that i'm supposed to have another force charge now, my question would be, like, whose responsibility is it to be keeping track of these things? Like, is this a effect that should be rolled back in the game and, like, you should be calling a judge for? Or do, is this going to be something that's kind of like a missed opportunity in the end and the person with the force charge might just be out of luck? Well, you really can only do missed opportunities for May effects. Right. Uh, and recovering your force charges is, is a must. So uh, he has to have his force point come back. The... In this particular instance, if, say, for example, he has zero force points and you go, oh, well, he hasn't spent force points on doing anything this turn, like he hasn't you know, attacked or anything, maybe I get the first attack in on him, then, then it's pretty obvious, like, oh, yeah, he should have recharged that force point. So, so if you call a judge over, the judge is going to give him the force point back. Um, now you were part of your follow-up question on that was like, can I choose a different target to attack? Can I? Are we going back in time and like doing things differently? And the answer is probably not. I mean, these are the judges aren't going are going to have to kind of do a, a case by case kind of thing if if there's some kind of issue like, oh, I only attacked that guy because he had no force points. Otherwise, I would have attacked this other guy. Um, then we'll have to kind of figure out something to do there. Either, either, yeah, you would be able to attack somebody else, but I don't really like that. So I'd probably be like, well, he he can't use his force point for this particular attack, but he has it for future attacks that either he makes or comes in so that you can make your decisions better. Because generally there's three things that we can do for, uh, for, state of, uh, for game state issues. We could either uh, say just play on if we go, nobody's getting any kind of benefit from it. Because, um, say, um, I don't, I don't even know what it is, but usually you do it if it's so minor that you're like, yeah, nobody gets any kind of benefit from from this state of play error. Uh, don't screw it up next time, uh, but keep playing on. Uh, in which case, it's kind of similar to a missed opportunity, but that's more of a like, like it's it's not something that has any kind of effect on the game. Uh, then the the next one is do it now. So we just resolve it right away. Um, that's if we, we determine that there's some kind of benefit that would happen if we just said play on. So if someone would get an advantage, like in this case, uh, you would get the advantage because he didn't have a force point that he should have. And it is a must effect. So it's not something you can forget to do. Um, in which case then, yeah, we would give him the force point and say, try to remember your force points because if you keep screwing this up and we keep having to come over to you, then uh, eventually you'll start getting penalty points. Then, then in that case, you know, you would follow up with, but I would have done this differently or, or, or so on. And then we'd have to like have a conversation because obviously we want it to be as fair as possible. We wouldn't suddenly want it to be like, oh, well, now, now your opponent has an advantage because now he has a force point that he and caused you to 
do things differently. Hopefully, if a ship has like zero force points and you're like, hey, I'm attacking that ship, he has zero force points, your opponent will go, wait a second, I should have a force point before you roll dice. But, you know, th things happen. Um, and then the third thing is that we can do is roll back, where we roll the game back. But obviously, we wouldn't do that in the case of a force point kind of thing. Rollback is is very rarely used um, because that's only in the absolute worst instances of something going horribly wrong, and you have to roll back the game state entirely. And generally, people don't really remember things exactly, and it's super messy. And I really hope I don't have to do that at the uh, Nova Open because that's awful to have to do. So in, to make a, a long story short, in your case, you get the force point, but if like you make a good argument that you would have done something different knowing his force point was there, then we would probably try to keep the balance in, in effect. It's all about keeping everything in balance and everyone fair and no advantage anyway. Tips from the champ himself. So you've won the Nova Open. Anyone that is coming here for the first time to a tournament size this big, like this is a two-day event, a day one event, what is something that you would uh, tell new players coming to this size of a tournament? So if you're showing up to the Nova Open and you've never been to a, uh, a giant event like this before, uh, like no system opens or anything like that, then yeah, the first thing is bring a water bottle or something and drink as much water as you physically can. Like between every round, just drain that water bottle as much as you can because your brain needs a lot of water doing this and you're going to be standing a lot. So wear shoes that you can stand in for, you know, nine hours um, and bring some snacks. Uh, don't depend on your phone because your phone's not going to work in the basement. Uh, drink more water. When you're sick of water, keep drinking water. Um then yeah and otherwise have a good time uh go check out the demos they're going to be demoing the the marvel games there they're going to be there's going to be some ffg people there hanging out so you can go talk to them that's always cool and it's just a, a fun time too there like so don't just and i mean don't just like focus on the tournament and be like oh i'm all about the tournament like there's all the side events there's you know, just hanging out with people and playing non X-wing games or even non FFG games, which I know you know sacrilegious, but they they do exist. Um, going out to eat with people, um, or if it's your first time in the DC area, we're really close to just going into DC and and spending one of the days there and seeing the sights. Um, so on the vice versa, then, like, what is something that you would tell experienced players not to forget, like? Other than drinking lots of water, like sometimes they can, they could be like, oh, this is my, you know, 20th big tournament. You know, I, I'm so used to this. What is something, you know, not to make them oversight? Um, first of all, don't be afraid to call a judge. Like even experienced players don't call judges for things. And like the judges are there and wandering around and literally we have nothing else to do other than walk. So uh, calling us over is fine. If if anything's close, a lot of times players will be like, oh well, let's just do these movements and blah blah blah. And hey, you know, after after the fact, they'll complain about like, oh, I think that guy was playing slow, or I think like he hit that rock or something. And it's like, well, I mean, I can't do anything about it now. So uh, call judges for stuff. Uh, call judges to measure arcs. Call judges to put their finger on a rock while a close movement's happening. 
um, do do whatever you know you, that makes you feel good about the game and the the state of the game and everything. And we don't mind being called over for things, even if they're silly things. Um, and thinking of that, always always pay attention to what your opponent's doing. Um, a lot of times, kind of players will will start thinking about like their next round's movement or something like that. I mean, especially when you're an experienced player and you're you're kind of like going through the motions. And you should pay attention to like, hey, maybe I should put my finger on this rock. Maybe I, you know, while he's doing this closed movement, or, you know, uh, hey, he's stretching all the way across the board to do this one turn. I, I'm standing right here, not doing anything. Maybe I can, you know, offer to do it for him. Uh, that sort of stuff. Um, and lastly, uh, don't screw up your squad sheet. Uh, remember all those zero point cards that you're putting on those servo motor S foils. Um, because the squad sheet errors are like a fairly serious thing to, to mess up and make sure your damage deck is also okay. Similarly, uh, for similar reasons, because if, because we do do damage deck checks during the event. And if we find out that you have, you know, some missing cards and they all happen to be all the direct hits, that's going to be pretty shady. And, uh, and we're, we're probably not going to be treating you too kindly after that. So one thing, if I could, I, I think I heard you on Fly Better, Paul, talking about how all of your judges, you like to have them walk around the entire time, um, like no sitting down. And just as a player, I just want to say thank you for that, because so many times at tournaments, there might be like a, a questionable thing, but it, it's not big enough where I want to make someone run across the room for, you know, maybe that little arc check or to hold something down. But when a judge is walking nearby, it's so easy to just say, oh, hey, judge, can you just do this real quick. It's not going to take any of your time up. Um, so I really appreciate you doing that. I just want to want to let you know how great of an idea that is. Sure. Yeah. I got super annoyed all the time at, uh, at judges. Like basically this whole thing is everything that annoys me as a player. I was like, I want to make sure that they don't happen as a judge. So I told the, the judges, basically, if the players are standing up, then we're standing up and walking around. Like there's for the usually the first couple of minutes, because hopefully there's no judge calls in like the first five or ten minutes of the round. Um, those first couple of minutes, that's when we'll be doing damage deck checks and things like that. But then once people start calling for judges, then we stop doing the, the deck checks and we start doing you know the actual judging and walking around and and it's it's pretty tiring walking for like the you know hours and hours. But uh, but yeah yeah like you said it's it's so much better to have judges just wandering past you and because then you don't feel bad calling on them. And also like, we're not, we're not like spectators, like watching the games, like, Oh, Hey, cool. He just rolled. Well, well sometimes I do watch because I'm like, Oh, since you just rolled five blanks, that sucks. But, uh, but usually we're, we're more watching the players and like the game state more than anything. Like we're, we're not really paying attention to so don't don't feel bad if you're doing something dumb in front of the judge like oh i can't believe he hit that rock we're not making any kind of judgment calls like that on you we we don't even that doesn't even kind of trigger in our heads if, if someone does a, a poor move or something but uh so don't get nervous around us but uh but yeah we we're mainly looking at the players for the most part I, generally i tell the judges that you know, definitely pay attention to like the looks on the players' faces. Like if they look bored or if if something's going on, like if they look angry, like definitely pay attention to those games. If if both players are smiling and happy, like you could probably kind of just give that game a quick glance and and just keep going. But uh, pay attention to the ones where they they don't look happy and try to figure out why. 
if it's just like oh my dice then okay you can't do anything about that but oh we'll hear that enough this weekend or next weekend i'm sorry um all right so if you had to pick one faction to win what faction do you think is going to be winning the nova open so am i picking with my head or my heart like uh, your head let's go with my your head, head first my head is definitely republic really like, i i think i think those those regen aces are are really strong right now um they did they've been doing pretty well regularly okay. so and also there's uh synchro swarms those are also very good um basically all of that is is a very strong list like the whole faction has a bunch of strong lists so i'm i'm leaning towards republic if i have to pick with my head so what about your heart empire comes in second on, on that one yeah my first thought was empire but the republic definitely makes sense um, all right. Do you guys have any other questions for Paul about the Nova Open? I know Jonathan. Did you have a question about panels? Oh, uh, Paul. Do you know I've, I've been to your la I was at your panel last year, which Dion hosted, and I think you were on the panel the year before when Frank was there. Is there going to be a panel this year? I've asked, and no one's told me. So, if there is, I haven't been invited. <laughs> I'm <Aww>. sorry. <laughs> I don't. I haven't seen a panel in in there. I don't know if like they don't have the people showing up there this year or if they got annoyed at us or what i don't know what the anything behind the scenes or anything but uh like yeah i haven't heard of a panel sometimes they kind of spring it on me at the last minute though so i don't think there's a panel if there is i will obviously we will let everybody know there because we'll want people to show up to it because they're our, i think the panels have been great yeah uh, this time last year mm -hmm, we were mm -hmm. like anticipating second edition like right around the corner so it, it'd be cool to see like a year in review recap and, you know, something I want to mention, uh, last, it was actually at the last Nova Open, at one of the games I was playing, you had said this, uh, Paul, that it's uh, both players' responsibility to maintain the game state. So if you're, which is, I think, something important for people to keep in mind, if your opponent forgets one of their must triggers, even if it's like regening a force, you should remind them. Yeah, if, if you conveniently forget <laughs> things that um, benefit you, like your opponent forgets to do something that is a must effect that benefits you that he didn't do it. Like, and it happens often enough. Yeah. Well, the judges notice this stuff. So don't do that. Yeah. At the, uh, Glenn Burney hyperspace trial, I had an, I played this guy and he forgot to engage one turn with his entire list. And then I said, uh, do you want to, I, I reminded him, but that even happened. I don't like, I was flying rubble beef and he had like five, I two, high advanced i think and then i shot for, i shot my entire list and then he's just like okay back to dallas and i reminded him that his entire list could actually shoot yeah, yeah. oh man yeah yeah the lists for i i know that some judges go like oh that's a missed opportunity but at the nova open at least uh engaging is not something you can forget to do uh, and you can't you're not assumed to if you fire a ship out of the out of order you're not assumed to be like oh that means i've engaged and chose not to fire of all previous ships like that's not how it works we're we're you know even though this is a premier event we, we're not idiots and we're not robots so and we're not magic players so we're we're going to do things in like you know a fair and smart fashion all right uh paul i'm going to give you the floor is there anything that you want to say to any of our listeners of nova open um anything you want to just get out there um i know uh, a lot of people were kind of uh i guess worried about the floor rules and when they came out and everything and people are like oh well does this mean we have to like just 
play jousting lists and just run straight at our opponents and do this and like people were getting kind of worked up about things it's the the floor rules are not there as like we're not going to be like surprise you're disqualified get out of here uh the floor rules are are there for uh more of a teaching thing to be like hey this is not acceptable behavior um, you need to fix this and like it would be very rare for someone to get an instant game loss or an instant disqualification. Uh, there's there's enough there's enough warnings built into the system to be like, hey, you're you're you screwed up, but you know, hey, just don't do it again. Pay attention. So yeah, yeah, don't don't be worried that the judges are going to have it out for you or anything, um, unless you're intentionally cheating or intentionally like doing bad things. In which case, then I don't want you there anyway. Then, uh, then those are the only people that are are going to be be surprised. You're something bad happened to you. Um. All right. So that's going to wrap it up for the Nova Open subject. Uh, Paul, you going to stick around for a little bit, or you headed out? Um, I can stick around for a little bit. Okay. You flew Separatist this past weekend at a hyperspace trial. Um, do you want to get into that a little bit? So I've been um, flying Separatists in the Vassal League for a while, and also I brought it to uh, the Hyperspace Open, or Hyperspace Trial. Um, I've been so used to saying Open at the end of every tournament that I talk about now. Uh, so um, in the Vassal League, since we can change our lists, I've been trying a, a couple different variants of uh, Seer Swarms. Um, basically, the rule for Seer Swarms and... Um, I've, I've talked about this to a, a couple other people who've asked me uh, similar questions, is uh, you start with Seer with TA-175 and then put seven other ships there. If you're flying fewer than eight ships, you're doing something wrong. It could be, um, for example, uh, Chris Langland uh, at the whatever was on the Gold Squadron podcast. It was, uh, it was streamed over the last weekend. Uh, he was running Seer with a couple, um, a couple Discord missile little drones and then a bunch of other drones. But he followed the rules, so he got to second place. So good for him. And I have been trying out some bombers sometimes, some of the hyenas. Sometimes I just stick with the vultures. Uh, for the hyperspace trial, I took the vulture version of the list where you just fly Seer and seven vultures. And uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty good swarm list, and it's kind of fun to play because you don't have to uh, you don't have to fly in that that tight formation like how runners do, and you don't have to worry about your spacing with regards to other people like sinker swarms do you can just kind of fly around and you just keep spamming that too hard turn that's green or blue or whatever color it is now and uh the too hard turn and then barrels and, and calculate tokens you can get in all kinds of crazy positions and flanks and things and I, I really enjoy the list and i think people that say the um separatists are weak are have not examined them enough uh, they're they've got a lot of weak moving parts, unfortunately. Like uh, any of those those named vultures are probably garbage. Uh, <laughs> sorry to say, but uh, but keep with the like cheaper ones, and and you'll be okay. So then that will bring me to my next question: How excited are you for the Nantex? Uh, relatively excited. The thing is, it it doesn't seem like it fits into a swarm. Well, I guess it kind of does if you can. If you can snare somebody and throw uh, a tractor token on them, then yeah, the swarm's super happy about that. But I'm assuming that I'm going to have trouble fitting like somebody to carry TA-175. And actually, the Nantexes don't even have Calculate, do they? I'm pretty sure they don't, none of them. 
don't think so. Well, I, so people are looking no, yeah, they all have focus. Oh, focus and evade, and that's it. Oh, awesome. So, yeah, they don't even get health from TA-175, so they don't really fit in the swarm. But it'll be interesting to come up with new lists with it because the, the mechanics on it are pretty cool. Throwing a, a tractor beam on yourself and, you know, spinning your little, your, your turret around. So one of the things I was looking at was it's Burwer Crit, that it's after you perform a attack that hits each friendly ship with the calculate on its action bar and a lock on the defender may perform a red calculate action. Now, I mean, do you think that could be basically like a tactical relay in itself, uh, just his pilot ability? I mean, I think his pilot ability is he's initiative five. That's, that's really his okay. pilot ability. <laughs> like, I man, that has a lot of requirements. Sure. So you have to have the attack, it has to hit, and they have to have locks. I mean, it's nice that there's no range modifier, like no range requirement for it. So you can do whatever you want, and as long as you hit them, um, then everybody gets to do that red calculate action. But the thing is, for vultures, they always can, like, Doing calculate actions is usually not a problem unless you get into like bump fest. So, if you if you have him and somehow get like dark droids, the the probe droids, to get a target lock on something going into the first combat, that's probably not too bad. That that would be interesting because then, like everybody has target lock. You know how the uh, probe droids are with you know everyone getting target locks before before you get started, and then uh, and then on that first round of combat they'll all have target locks, but they'll probably all have taken calculate action so i don't i don't know how often his ability is going to trigger but hopefully um he's going to be one of those guys much like kylo is not used for his ability is used because he's i5 and has a good chassis uh, i'm assuming burwer is going to be like that like you, you don't want to shell out the extra points for sun fox so you go like okay fine i'll i'll just run burwer and you know maybe if it comes up this will be awesome but if it doesn't oh well Right. I mean, the first thing I was kind of looking at was like some kind of ordnance swarm that came with him. That something that's going to want to take locks anyway. Um, I don't. I mean, since Discord missiles kind of require the calculate um, action, it, I don't know if that's an option to possibly throw Discord missiles and then using the target locks as the reroll and then having to. I mean, I guess it really would. Are you talking about sense. energy shell charges or yes, something? Yes, I'm sorry, not Discord no. missiles. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, the energy energy shell charges, but that's would probably fall apart the second that you're just like you're attacked and hit yeah yeah so oh, I, I rolled i rolled a couple of blanks oops oops oh wow <laughs> there goes your entire list um all right so i know one of the things that people are starting to panic on is the fact that sunfac is i6 doesn't matter what his ability is but with the ensnare ability at the end of the activation phase if you are tractored you may choose one ship in your turret arc at range zero to one to transfer one tractor uh beam to so everyone's kind of panicking that this is going to be so broken and everything like that but i i think we need to really kind of see this in action because some things that i think people are kind of forgetting is that the to rotate your turret arc you can't keep it in the same spot so that is going to be one of the big things that i, I think people need to kind of really put on the table first and move through the motions. Like, I, I think that's a little bit harder than some people are going to do. So you have to get that tractor beam on yourself by moving your turret arc. So that means you either have to move it from the front or to either of the sides. Um, yeah. Um, and also, uh, he's not a double reposition ace. Like, he's a single reposition who can't even do an angled boost ace. So, I, I mean, it is kind of scary because anytime, anytime there's, a, there's a handful of things that if they become good it gets really negative really quick like ions tractors and stress control 
are like the big trifecta of if those become good, the game gets bad really quick. Uh, that's why like um, quad jumpers had to be you know uppointed pretty quickly because like they were way too good for for their point value. So and and I guess that's probably why you don't see a ton of good ion effects because once that becomes good, the game gets really really bad because you're just like hey your dials don't matter anymore. So similar with stress, like tractor stress and ion are like the big three things that I think would would make the game unfun if they were really really good all the time. Um, in this particular case. I'm hoping they balanced it uh, well enough that that it's reasonable. Um, obviously, it gets the ensnare effect gets a lot better the fewer ships that you're you have. Like if you're going against uh, a three ship Jedi list or something like that, or a two ship Jedi list like what Duncan ran, grr, then uh, then uh, Sunfac gets pretty good. Um, but if you're flying against like an eight ship swarm, okay, you threw one of my guys on the rock and the other seven of them shoot you. Okay, then then Sunfac goes away pretty quickly. Right. But uh, like I said, I think the initial consensus was everyone was kind of panicking that, you know, again, because I think tractor beam is so oppressive to uh, and it, it is a little bit of a negative play experience. But I mean, I think at the same time, it has a good fit into the game. Um, but I definitely think we really need to just sit tight and see how FFG does balance this. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I I mean, I, I generally have faith in FFG to to not make things awful <laughs> so yeah. far so good you know so far it's been pretty good and when they do screw up they they correct the points pretty quickly or, or you know remove a slot or something and so it'll, it'll all work out i think definitely i think the one thing that i'm excited to see about this is the on the model itself if the turret actually rotates oh that'd be neat because i'm looking at the images a lot of that the, the turret in the middle is pointing to the left or the right and uh that'd be pretty cool Get rid of the turret. Oh, no, that would be a bad idea. But um, just point that wherever the turret arc's going. Like the, um, they've been doing a really good job with their models lately. I, I just saw uh, at the hyperspace trial some of the new B wings because I own enough B wings, so I was like, I'm not buying any of these new B wings. And then like some of the the newer players there had had some of the cool spinny B wings, and they're spinning them all around and opening and closing the wings. And I'm like, oh, those are actually pretty cool. If I if I ever fly B wings again, then I might have to go out and, and pick up a B wing. Yeah, Jonathan, how many B wings do you own now? Uh, you know, I bought all of James Hedgepeth's old B wings, so I have I have too many. <laughs> Are you flying B wings at uh, Nova? Uh, yeah, I haven't played any X wings since the last hyperspace trial, so I might end up just having to go back to B wings. Yeah, I haven't decided. Okay, back to the Nantex though. It, it looks like a really cool ship. Like I, I'm excited for this ship for the purpose that like it, it might pull separatists away from swarms a little bit. That it's going to have options that isn't. Um, either a swarm or like a double, what is it, infiltrator uh, list? Where like it, it's definitely opening up the different options for that. Yeah, really, the the only good list for separatists right now is the swarm. The double infiltrators got nerfed with, uh, with the points, points recently. Yeah, um, but it, it's going to be interesting to see that. Like, I, I would think that this ship could probably put that infiltrator back on the table um, for a little bit. I mean, getting hit with a proton torp with something that's tractor beamed might be crazy. Like. I would definitely be something that I want to try out right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, I would love to be like, hey, I have Maul and uh, Sunfa, and like you're tractored, you're shot by Sun, you're shot by Maul with a torpedo. Maul, you know, if if then Maul shoots somebody else, and like, oh yeah, that that would put out a lot of damage pretty quickly. You might just erase somebody. Right. So uh, overall, I'm pretty excited about this. Brett, do you have any comments about uh, this 
Separatists, or are you even flying Separatists? So I haven't been flying them too much, but I am very excited about this. I, I've been playing with it a little just on like Fly Casual or, or Tabletop, or not Tabletop, um, yeah, Tabletop Simulator. And it's really fun ensnaring people. Like, it is not a double reposition ace, but when you get to make them move too, it, it kind of feels like it accomplishes the same uh, same type of goal. I'm, I'm really kind of excited about the Gravitic Deflection. I don't even know how to say it. Um, but I mean, that seems like a, a really cool option as well. At first, all I was thinking about was ensnaring people and how, how cool that would be on Sunfac. But, you know, when you're essentially giving yourself a, a defensive reroll, anytime you're being shot like that, that's super strong. Um, so, you know, depending on points, that could be really fun to put on there as well. They, they all seem like they have some cool options. I'll be really excited to, to try it out. One of the things that I, I really like about this is the fact that it is a three bullseye arc and then the turret is a two. Like, it's a new mechanic that FFG is presenting to us that, like, we would have never seen in first edition or probably even thought about in second edition coming out. But, like, the fact that, like, you have this option now, it really kind of opens up the playing field to future ships. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting thing. They they have the tractor mechanic and the, the bullseye plus extra arc mechanic. So that is that is very neat. So, like I said, overall, I'm excited for it. It sounds like you guys are excited for it. Like I said, we're not going to go too deep into this because I'm sure you've probably heard it from all the other podcasts out there. Uh, so first, Paul, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate you coming on. Sure. See you guys all at Nova. Yeah, we owe you a beer. and I'll definitely throw you some of our alt arts that we have at you next time I see you down there. I don't drink beer, but okay. Okay, I'll buy you a soda. <laughs> So yeah, thanks again for coming on. Uh, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in this week. If you're a fan of the show, check us out on Facebook. All our information is on there. Everything that I've talked about today is going to be in our show notes. We're going to post the links to the rules and everything like that. Other than that, I think that's it for this week's episode. And again, thanks for listening. Paul, thank you so much for coming on. And have a great night. Yeah, it was great.